0: Welcome back to the 222nd episode of the Daily Flip Podcast. I'm your host, Alex, and today we're going to be flipping through some of the top stories, including how Nikki Haley lost in a primary that she was basically the only person participating in, Um, how people are coming after Trump for some of his comments, and now there's a pullout talking about the results about his dictator comments, and uh, the CDC finally revokes its mask rules, We'll go into that one as well. And, of course, we will end today with our daily delight. A story meant to leave you feeling positive. Ready to take on the day. Now, that's enough rambling from me. Let's jump in to our daily debate. So, just a personal question. If you were running for any kind of office, and let's say that you're doing it at the state level, and they have different county elections on different days to assign voters and you know it's like a primary so to speak um uh, and one of the counties where you're not necessarily thinking you're going to win but you still think okay well uh, normally they do a caucus but this year there's something a little bit different the the process has changed So there's actually two separate kind of uh, caucus and a primary, two separate metrics, and you're the only one in the primary. So you're like, okay, at least, even if that doesn't count towards anything, I can say that I won this, that uh, that Republicans or Democrats in this particular district decided to come out. They got behind me, even though they knew it wasn't going to change anything, it wasn't going to affect the outcome of the overall election. Uh, And then you lost. Would you be happy, sad? Would you just drop out at that point? I don't know. Um, I personally would say, yeah, you need to be gone. But maybe I'm getting a little too far into our first story. So let's just jump into it. And the story comes from Fox News with the headline, Trump wasn't on the ballot, but Haley's loss in Nevada of the Republican presidential primary. And um, yeah, yeah, she, she did not... Okay, the whole idea that Nevada and the United States GOP, so the entire GOP, the national GOP, were at odds here is also something very interesting, and I talked about that a a little bit previously, so I don't want to go into that one for too long. But the idea that the state GOP was just being rebellious and did something different, I do think that's, that's interesting. I think uh, if state de- Democratic groups did the same thing, uh, you know, I can't say the DNC because that's the national uh, party or the, sorry the national committee. But the point being like New Hampshire, when they said, OK, well, we still have to hold something, even if it's not going to count for delegates. So there there has been this sort of like state sentiment trying to push back against the national party telling them what they can and can't do. But this one was even more interesting because unlike the New Hampshire uh, party in, for the Democrats saying, oh, well, we just, we're going to have to hold this primary anyway, even if the DNC is not going to count it. It's not only in Nevada that they said, okay, well, uh, we're going to go with our original plan which is uh the primary but then the GOP also comes in and says no 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 we're going to we're going to stick with the the caucus system so it's not even like oh there's just no credit here but you can vote whoever you want in this one particular primary it's no there're two different segments of the party, the state level and the national level that are holding technically two different types of elections in order to determine who gets the primary votes, even though one of them doesn't actually matter. And I just thought this was absolutely wild when I first heard about it. And for those of you who haven't heard about it, uh, Nikki Haley was not in the caucus. Pretty sure at this point it was only Donald Trump. Uh, maybe there was one other person, but I'm pretty sure there wasn't because it's like a fifty. 50- fee in order to uh, be a part of the caucus. There was one other gentleman running in the primary, I believe his name is, Binkley, and uh, he he didn't do well either. But uh, Nikki Haley was like, okay, see, I'm not going to pay for the 55. Uh, This is obviously a system that's going to benefit Mr. Trump, and I think that we can chalk up Nevada without a problem, which, you know, maybe that's part of her strategic plan. There's, There's no doubt about that. But um, she at least thought, and I'm not going to say that she completely thought, oh, yeah, we can at least get the primary under our belt. Because she does have uh, spokespeople who come out and said, yeah, we haven't really visited Nevada. We didn't put much time into Nevada. We didn't expect much out of Nevada. But you could at least probably expect that, hey, okay, we're going to have a little bit of recognition in the primary itself. But, um... No, no, that's not actually what went down. Uh, Quote, "...voters casting ballots in the state-run Republican nominating contest couldn't write in Trump's name, but they could vote for a none-of-these-candidates option." And the Associated Press projected that the none of these candidates option would defeat Haley in a primary where no delegates to this summer's Republican convention were at stake. Trump supporters Fox News spoke with at polling stations said they were casting a ballot for none of these candidates. So ah, that's just a sting. Come on. At this point, I'm sorry. Nikki Haley, drop out. Drop out. I'm sorry you've spent so much time and energy. I'm sorry that you feel as though this is your time and you need to get out there and you need to maybe gain some name recognition because I don't think anybody genuinely, besides maybe Ron DeSantis, who had a a lot of popular support at one point, and I guess with Nikki surging, maybe there was some genuine uh, love there uh, from the people. And she thought, okay, hey, we can make this work. But at this point, you, you lost Iowa. You didn't even come second in Iowa. You came third in Iowa. Uh, DeSantis dropped out before New Hampshire. You came second in New Hampshire. Now we're going into something else that it's not like she really expected to get the actual delegates from the caucus because she wasn't participating. But the thing you were participating in, you still lost, even though Trump couldn't be on the ballot. Because guess what? Caucusing and primary caucusing takes time, and so do does primary. This is time. So people who actually want Trump in the o- in office who would vote for him, they spent extra time either caucusing, which they probably might not have because they believed he would win anyway. But they definitely spent extra time going to the voting booth for the primary, even though it doesn't matter. And they said, no, no, we don't. We, uh, we're specifically doing this to not vote for Nikki Haley. So come on, Nikki. I'm sorry. Drop out. I do not like the fact that it's going to be another foregone conclusion and Trump just gets the nomination. I would love more competitive contests to really take the pulse of the American people right now. And uh, maybe maybe I'm just wrong. Maybe the pulse is just so, so different, which I really don't think it is, at least from the people that I talk to. Uh, There's a lot of people who are still on board with Trump. There are lots of other people who absolutely hate him in my circles. And then there are the people who would probably vote for a Republican. They just don't want to vote for Trump. So I think the pulse has changed a little bit, but at the end of the day, there is something special, magical about Mr. Trump. And as much as I would like the scenery to be different, so to speak, as much as I would love to rearrange the furniture. Uh, now the neighbor is coming in and saying, actually, you know, I kind of like the feng shui of this place. We're going to, we're going to keep it as it was. Not only are we going to keep that old dusty chair that coughs every time you, uh, poke it with anything. We're also going to keep the loud, annoying chair that screams anytime you do something it doesn't like. So, (laughs) you know, it is what it is. It's not going to be the end of the world. Just as my history teacher told me back in the day, uh, one election is not going to destroy anything. It's not going to upend your life. It doesn't have to be the end of your existence, so on and so forth. But I wish there could have been a possible change on both sides of the aisle. I do not want a redo of 2020. Uh, No offense, that was a really cruddy, cruddy election. Then again, circumstances were very different, especially with COVID. Maybe that is clouding my judgment over the matter. But the thing that was really the takeaway that we should be looking at from this article is that Trump's grip on the Republican Party is absolute and, and... His people are dedicated. Like I mentioned, they had to take extra time to go to the primary because they knew it didn't count for anything anyway. But they want to get out there and make sure that Nikki Haley knows exactly where they stand. And I think that is going to be a big factor going into the general. Because the Democrats, for almost and I was listening the other day and this started to actually click a little bit for me and it actually made a little bit more sense which is why democrats tend to perform better in off years than they would during main years and that's because republicans at least the current cohort of republicans the more working class the ones that don't pay attention to the absolute minutia of every single election Uh, they tend to not come out during off-year elections. And this this was an issue that Republicans had more recently. I mean, back in the day when they were more the the party of the, the business class, that wasn't necessarily the case. So this shows that, hey, MAGA people are really dedicated to MAGA, and maybe they can overcome that hurdle. And let's be clear, going into a presidential, the math is different. But maybe they can overcome that hurdle where Democrats are more likely and more consistent when voting. And because they love Trump so much, they can—I don't want to say we can guarantee. I don't want to say Trump can guarantee. I don't want to say there's any guarantees. But the idea that they love Trump so much could very well counteract that idea that Democrats are the ones who are consistently going out to the polls, even in off-year elections. And what? we In Kentucky, we had an off-year election. Uh, that's where I am residing. Well, not currently, because I'm actually in Tennessee. But my point being, that's where I live. And it was an off-year election. It wasn't even a midterm election for anything. It wasn't in 2022. It was actually a complete off-year election in that it was a 2023 election. And what we saw was a good, healthy Democrat turnout. Now, let's be clear, that doesn't mean that this is 100% factual across forever. Like I said, the trends are definitely changing. But we've definitely seen this in the last uh, four uh, off-year elections. There's a little bit of a shift towards just more... Democrat turnout, and then the numbers are different when we get into uh, a presidential. I mean, that's that's how Trump won the very first time. Uh, well, I say there, there's lots of factors. I mean, Hillary. Not a lot of people liked Hillary. Even if you were, like, an independent person who was leaning a little bit more Democratic, you didn't necessarily like Hillary. But you look at the 2012 election, and this is a fact that lots of pundits bring up, which is uh, Obama actually lost votes He lost votes in comparison, and he still remained president after that election. And turnout for the Republicans was higher that year than it was in 2010, and then it was lower in 2014 as compared to 2012, and then that shifted again in 2016. There are just certain voters that only get out there when it is the presidential or when they really like somebody. And this shows, this specific case shows even when they think their guy has it locked in and he's not participating in that specific competition, they are still willing to go out there and throw all their weight behind him. So, I think if you're a Republican, you should probably be looking at this like, ah, funny story, Haley, get out. And also, at the end of the day, this may benefit you going into a election year or at least a presidential one. So... Let's talk about the man that they love so so much. And this article comes from Jezebel. Republicans are cool with Trump being a dictator, but don't worry, for only one day. So, one. Um, let's work from the premise, and they, let's be. I'll be clear with you. The author does mention the rest of the quote. It is buried one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Um, nine like nine paragraphs into fifteen, but um, you know, you know, it's not like it's it's that insane anyway. So now people people obviously know what the context of this one is. Um, but I want to read the the first paragraph because uh, the the author starts in a very particular way. Quote, we already know Donald Trump's supporters wouldn't care if he shot someone in the middle of Fifth Avenue, so I suppose we shouldn't be shocked to learn that they also would be cool with Trump saying he'd like to be a dictator if he was elected for a second term in November, but just for one day. A smidgen of autocracy and a treat for MAGA voters. So that's, um, that's a pretty interesting way to go about starting your article, uh, taking the comments that, he could probably shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue and be totally fine. Um, no, he wouldn't be. Even if the MAGA people didn't necessarily want to do anything about it, uh, he would definitely not be fine. There would be people to check him who are not 100% behind him. But maybe your point is taken a little bit. It's taken a little bit that some MAGA people would start to justify. They'd be like, whoa, 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 why did he do it? Was somebody attacking him? They wouldn't immediately jump uh, out against him. Um, But my point being, it still feels like you're coming into this with a little bit of bad faith when you're taking his comments that are most definitely jokes, most definitely jokes, and you're trying to construe them as 100% factual. Uh, just like this current one, I'll go to that ninth paragraph so I can read the quote exactly. Except for day one, Trump responded, I want to close the border and I want to drill, drill, drill. So there have been lots of different counter arguments, lots of different like, oh, well, this is what he actually uh, what he actually meant and so on and so forth. It was a joke. I, I do agree that he's being you know, loud and annoying and probably joking in using the the dictator language. But he's also pointing something out in there, which is by using executive action, you are essentially taking all of the authority onto the executive branch. And if he's saying this specifically, which I'm not saying that he is, I think he could be making a point about that. And When people make that argument, I actually kind of resonate with that one um, because this is something that Biden... Has done. This is something that Obama did. This is something that Trump did. This is something that Bush has done. This is something that Clinton did. And we have seen the executive authority expanded each presidential term. Now, let's be clear: it's not necessarily one to one. It's not a, a, a uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A simple increase here. It, it's not even log, 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 logarithmic. It's not any kind of simple pattern to it. Like okay, so if Obama did. 250 his first term, then he did 275 his next term, and then he, he, Trump did like 300 his next term. You know, it's not a simple increase by 25. It's not exponential where like Obama did 10, so then Trump did 100, now Biden's doing 1,000. It's not that straightforward. But there's no doubt that the executive order has been used for presidents to get their priorities passed, and it is a way to bypass legislators. And even though it can be struck down in the judiciary system, that does take some time. And guess what? The executive has the power, for the most part, to act almost immediately once they put one of these rules into place. And when I say act immediately, it doesn't mean they can do all the logistics. I mean, like with the cancellation of student lo- uh, student debt, that was not able to be put into place immediately. They said they were going to do it, and then they started drawing up more plans um, and so on and so forth, like they said, "Okay, this is what we want to do now here 's a practical way of how we 're going to have to do it and then the Supreme Court came in and said, No, 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 you can 't do that uh, like I get that it 's more complicated than that, and sure, I will put my hands up and say that it is not a hundred percent okay, we say we do this. it has to be done on the exact same day, but with this sort of stuff um in actuality, he can say, okay, the border's closed, and then work his way towards that from there. Drill baby deal, uh, probably. The author also says, I don't, <laughs> I, I want to jump to this part, where he says, I don't even know what he wants to drill, drill, drill. I'm like, okay, that that's feigned ignorance on your part. Natural gas, oil, so on and so forth, which I just thought was... Hilarious. Like, you know, you know what he's getting at. He wants to open up the energy market. Uh, And whether or not you like Trump, you heard his talking points a thousand times. You're a reporter, unless you're just so stuck in your bubble that you don't listen to him whatsoever. Uh, And yes, you know, I'm not a reporter, but I do listen to Biden. I do listen to Trump. I don't necessarily listen to Kamala Harris as much. I do listen to some of her speeches, but that's normally gaffes. So that's probably not fair to her, to be honest. Um, But The author's coming at it from such a disingenuous way that when they go through the statistics of people that would be willing to entertain the idea, uh, I want to read you the breakdown a little bit here. Quote, in a new survey, a shocking number of voters revealed that they'd be cool with it. it. 74% of Republicans and 39% of Americans think they'd be fine with Trump. To be a dictator on day one of his second term, only 26% of Republicans said that would be a bad thing. Maybe I shouldn't be surprised. Maybe I should just be so jaded that with the fact that only three quarters of GOP voters would be chill with Supreme Leader Trump is actually good news. But I'm not. I'm alarmed. Um, as I've, I've said before, uh, I would. And this is me venturing, and this is me trying to read past what people say. So that, that, is a, that is a 100% fair point, this is me trying to find ulterior motive in what they say. But I also do believe that when people say one thing, their actions normally say something completely different. And if Trump does do anything truly dictatorial, not just using executive mandates, which I would say is still leaning towards consolidating the authority in the executive, which is my problem with it, why executive orders I also have an issue with, That's beyond the point. If he was actually to take on more power, dissolve part of the legislature, dissolve part of the Supreme Court, uh, try to specifically destroy some of the balances of power, like going into the Senate and preserving, or sorry, using his people there in order to actually lower the Uh, sorry, I take that back, raise the amount of vetoes that would be necessary to get something passed, and it was totally because of his strong arming and not because there's a legitimate reason that people who voted for those senators would want, then, yeah, no, I have an issue with that sort of dictatorial power. Because if you raise that veto count to uh, more than 66%, then or sorry the overriding of a veto count when it comes to how many votes they would need in order to override one of his vetoes if he raises if he asks them and basically force them to raise it to 90% then yeah no that, that's going to be extremely hard and he can just veto whatever he likes and basically have his way and if he uses the military in order to uh, fulfill his own ends and not the protection of the United States people then yeah yeah I could see that being a a serious issue and when I say protecting his own protecting himself yes I understand there are situations where uh, he's going overseas needs it when he's going certain locations that he needs it when it comes to having the military around the White House to protect him so on and so forth but what I mean is to reach his own political ends not just the f- defense of him as a president and a sitting figure within the White House at the in the United States of America I could see that being a problem but. I genuinely think a lot of the people who responded here saw it as you no, know, he's going to either one. The people who are really, really into it understand the policy uh, that he's probably going after. That I'm going. He's going to be a dictator, and that he's going to use executive authority in order to get his way and get it done right off the bat to open up the energy markets. Uh, We just talked about how Biden's trying to limit the amount of uh, liquid natural gas that actually can be exported from the United States and the new projects that can be drilled. So maybe stop those restrictions, uh, start up the remain in Mexico policy once again, so on and so forth. These sort of things through executive action. And that's how some people are going to interpret it. Some other people are probably going to interpret it as just a straight up joke. Like, oh, yeah, no, he he's obviously kidding. I'm just going to be a dictator. I'm going to be a dictator on day one and just day one. Like, yes, I know that's kind of like a demented Trump. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to sound so terrible and do it so bad, but yet I did. So <laughs> I don't know why I kind of went into a mini Trump there, but my point being, I think a lot of those people thought it was an absolute joke. And then there are some people who probably like, yeah, I like the strongman theory. I don't doubt that there are genuine people out there who like the idea of a strongman, especially when we have a really weak person in the presidency right now. And I'm not saying like Biden is like physically weak. I don't know that. I haven't gone and tried to push him over, mainly because the Secret Service would come for me and rightly tackle me to the ground if I'm trying to push over the president of the United States. But my point being, when you have a... Weak President who makes America look bad on the, not just domestically but abroad, then there is this countercultural idea where we're they're trying to push for a stronger, more well defined and how should I say it without sounding terrible? Um, love America kind of person, which let's be clear. Uh, when I say that, I mean like American exceptionalism, a person that believes in American exceptionalism and can be a representation of that on the uh, world stage. So I think there's a little bit more breakdown here, and I think Jezebel is taking this the the wrong way, the author here. They're intentionally coming at it in bad faith, in my opinion, and the best example I have is literally one splurge, one little, one little section, the entire, not even the entire quote, just the extra one second of context. Because for the first part, they said, I would be a dictator except on day one. And then they add the rest of it, nine, nine paragraphs in. You should have put it up at the front, even in the byline. This is what he said. And then from there, break it down and explain how the study was taken. If the study was taken, which it was, which is Trump said he wants to be a dictator on day one. What do you think about that for day one only? What do you think about that? and they don't get provide the other context, which is why he wants to be a quote-unquote dictator, what he's going to do with that power, then it may actually shift which way people are voting. I think the, the breakdown here for Democrats was about uh, 24% said it was probably good, and 77% of women, 82% of African Americans, and 91% of people who voted for Biden in 2022 supporters all said it was definitely bad or probably bad. So one of the two bad categories. If you explained the things after where he said, hey, I'm going to do it so I can shut down the border— I think you could peel away some people, especially with the current immigration crisis. I think you could peel some people away and actually get them to say, I don't know, or maybe it's good. So the framing of the poll has a lot to do with it. I understand why Jezebel reported on it that way. But also when you just disingenuously come in and don't provide all of the context for the moment and then describe the polling data, I, I just think that it's coming in in bad faith. Uh, that's besides the point. Uh, we have one last article, very, very quick one, and it comes from Just the News. CDC overrules mask advisories and its own research finding no difference between N95 and surgical. So, hey, you heard it here, guys. I don't know if you heard it first here, but you heard it here, guys. The the N95, the whole mask ordeal, it's, it's over. Oh, wait, my bad. I should have been saying this like seven, eight. Nine months ago, maybe even a year ago. Yeah, it's been over for quite some time. Maybe this will actually uh, get the people who still walk around with masks to reconsider their decision. Then again, it is America. You're free to do whatever the heck you want. If you get a few side eyes, just don't be surprised, though. Uh, Especially when this sort of thing comes out. Uh, Quote, Nearly a year ago, the respected research collaborative Cochrane drastically reinterpreted its own systematic review of randomized controlled trials on masking in response to media pressure and deeming them. Inconclusive after the review team found that the masks make little to no difference against COVID 19 or influenza. The Center for Disease Control and Prevention is following Cochrane's lead by publicly pressuring its advisors to revise their recommendation on masking in healthcare settings, which are based on its own systematic review of now undermined CDC preferences. It could backfire on the feds. The White House promises and to authorize boosters for the Food and Drug Administration that they had evaluated reportedly led to the agency's top two vaccine regulators resigning. So what they're saying here is if the COVID-19 is actually downgraded by whether or not, by its protective status, like, oh, you have to wear this, like, oh, it's so bad that you have to wear masks. And, you know, that's still tricky, but... If that is the case, then there could be an argument made that actually, hey, we're not necessarily in a state of emergency. There doesn't have to be an emergency authorization in order to get these vaccines out there. Now they can undergo more scrutiny and buy vaccines. I mean, boosters at this point, because uh, some companies still are producing, like, new vaccines. But for the most part, a lot of this uh, emergency authorization is going more towards the established companies that have – vaccine's already out there and they're doing boosters. So we'll see how this one all pans out. But I just wanted to bring you the great news. It's officially over. You can see somebody else smile again. You can go out and take a selfie and be smiling in your Snapchat. I mean, guys, guys, this is, I can't believe it's been so long. I haven't seen somebody else smile. Oh, wait. Yeah, no, we were over that as the populace. Well, you know, at least the leads believe they're doing something good by finally revoking the uh, mandate or at least revising their guidance. So with all that said, let's jump to our final story, which is our daily delight. And this one also comes from Parade Pets. I know I've been doing a lot of Parade Pets recently, um, but this one was pretty interesting. Uh, Fresh litter of golden doodles. Trying sparkling water for the first time was too funny. So this owner, he's like, you know what? I'm going to prank my golden doodles. I am going to make them drink this spicy, spicy water. And yes, I know. I actually don't like the characterization of sparkling water as spicy. There's just some people around me that do it. And when I saw this article, I was like, oh, okay. The author also calls it spicy. Interesting, interesting indeed. Maybe the person I'm referring to, if you've made it this far, you know who you are. And the author are friends in some way. Maybe the author is actually an undercover author who is my friend. And they put this out there because they know I use parade pads. Probably not. But my point being, it's kind of funny. So... Quote, the harmless pranks will absolutely never not be funny. Whether you're giving a baby a lemon wedge or tricking your puppies into fetching something that was never thrown, it's bound to land well with the masses. On February 1st, one dog, Dad, took it to the next level. He decided to give his newest litter of golden doodles a bin full of sparkling water to try, and the results are definitely not disappointing. And he goes on to talk about how they react. Uh, Also, advisory. Don't let your dog drink too much sparkling water, mainly because of the carbonation that could affect their tummy a little bit. But the point being, the reactions are absolutely hilarious. And if you want to see the videos from this article, want to read this article, or read any of today's articles, there'll be a link in the description below that like and subscribe button. Also down there, you can find the podcast on Spotify, Pocket Cast, Google Podcast, which I know is going away, and Podvine as well as the Twitter handle, at Your Daily Flip, where I post a Twitter tirade every Tuesday and Thursday. So with all that said, there's only one more thing to say. Stay safe. Don't die.